Happy Monday! Hey, I'm Sean. Another episode of Lockdown Raptors here for you. And we have a pair of games to talk about. A pair of losses for your Toronto Raptors on Friday to the Cleveland Cavaliers. A heartbreaker by one point. A missed buzzer beater for OG Ananobi. Sends the Raptors' five-game winning streak down the tubes. And then Pascal Siakam makes his surprise return to the lineup on Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets. Another loss, but um, um, as 0-2 weekends go... Plenty of positives to take away from this one. We're going to get into all of it with Vivek Jacob on today's show. We also have two dudes of the game to give out in the back part of the show. So stick around for that. All coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1052 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find the podcast to subscribe to, follow, tell a friend, rate, review, all the stuff that you do to your podcast. You can do that on all of your favorite podcast platforms for absolutely free. And, of course, we are on YouTube, again, for the low, low price of on the house so please go subscribe over there we had a really nice week on the tube last week so uh please keep on going over there lots of uh lovely commenters and interaction and all that good stuff so please uh continue to join the lockdown raptors youtube wave baby uh thank you as always for making this your first listen of the day all right on today's show the Toronto Raptors uh, have lost two games in a row, but I'm not so upset about it because some good things happened in both games. Most importantly, the return of the team's best player on Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets. Joining me on today's show to talk about the game against the Cavs on Friday, to talk about the game against the Nets, is a man who was at both of them, right? Yeah, I didn't see you on Friday, but I think you were there. Uh, it is Vivek yep. Jacob from Raptors.com. How's it going, pal? Not bad, not bad. Yeah, a couple of fun games uh, to take in over the weekend not the results that the Raptors would have hoped for but I think uh, you know when you look at the game against the Cavs I think the Raptors will look back on that and say yeah there, there were several things they could have cleaned up to ensure they got mm -hmm. the W and then against the Nets the Nets are the Nets and they're very good and when Sometimes Kevin Durant James is Harden's falling like that go on a heater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and James Harden closes it out the way he did in the fourth was it 16 points mm -hmm. uh that's that's just tough to overcome, and you know I think we'll get into uh, some of the maybe longer uh, term things that come out of this game. But yeah, I, I think you know overall six and five start, and now you've got Pascal Siakam back before a very difficult stretch coming up. Uh, that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, I mean if we had sort of at the start, not to do the whole if you we had told you at the start of the season thing, but if you had told us at the start of the season that. They were going to go six and five in their first 11 games and Pascal Siakam was going to play in one of them. You would have said that's ahead of schedule. Oh, my God. Head of schedule on both fronts between the wins being banked and Siakam coming back. So there's really nothing negative to take out of this start. 
Obviously, some things you would have liked to have cleaned up. Obviously, you wish Jared Allen didn't hit 30-foot bank shot threes after one of the better OG Ananobi defensive possessions you'll ever see. It's just it's what happens. It was kind of a weird, like, bad luck game on Friday. Yes, the offense got real sticky in the second half. And honestly, my recap was kind of about how, man, they could have used Pascal Siakam to sort of get this thing rolling. And then all lo and behold, he's back two days later, which is really, really great. Before we get into sort of diving into our takes from this game, these games and Pascal's return and all that, I did want to ask you um, about Friday's game because I don't know about you, man, but that to me felt like the official return of basketball to Toronto. Like the crowd was insane. We got a Money City Maniacs with two seconds left in the game or four seconds left in the game that got my juices flowing. It just felt like okay, this feels like a regular-ass Raptors Friday home game where there's, like, stakes. I know it's just the Cavs, but, like, Evan Mobley's in town. There's the glitz and glam of the Barnes-Mobley matchup and all of that. Did you feel similarly alive watching that game on Friday? Because that was kind of my overarching takeaway from everything was, yeah, they lost, but I don't know how I could feel bad about it on a night that made me feel like I haven't felt in, like, 20 months. Yeah, no, the fans were great, and it was, it was a fun game to watch, like, Every time the Raptors seem to be getting just a little bit of separation or just, you know, holding the Cavs at arm's length, the Cavs seem to literally use their arms <laughs> and get a bunch of rebounds and get by, get right back into it. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was uh, a great atmosphere for sure. I, I thought the Magic game was pretty good. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the, uh, I think everyone was excited for Suggs versus uh, Barnes. And obviously... Uh, you know, it, it ended up being a pretty good game in itself. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, as, as the games progress and fans realize that this team is actually pretty damn good, I, I think mm-hmm. the atmosphere is only going to keep picking up from here. Yeah, it was just uh, something I wanted to know because it made me feel very warm inside. It was quite nice. Uh, I also got to sit next to Kayla Gray on press row. I got the big boy seats this time, hey. around, which is nice. And uh, it's never a bad thing to spend three hours chatting with Kayla Gray. Uh, she's the freaking best. And uh, she's agreed to come on the podcast at some point soon. So uh, I will have her on before she rescinds that offer uh, the way she probably <laughs> should. Uh, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's get into it, man. Um, I guess sort of overarching takeaways from the weekend at large. Um, Maybe I'll start here. I I think for me, Pascal was kind of the through line of both games. As I mentioned, I feel like the times in that, you know, third and fourth quarter against the Cavs on Friday where things got a little bit sticky. Maybe there was a little bit too much dependence on Fred Van Vliet. OG Ananobi, obviously, you know, shouldering a big load as well. I really felt like, man, it would be nice if Pascal could just like slide into here and, and offer some, you know, just a little bit of grease for the half court offense's wheels. And he comes back two days later. And I think, you know, obviously we didn't see the full scope of Pascal Siakam. He was on the minutes restriction. He didn't close the game and all of that. But, you know, I, I think you saw some little flourishes of, oh, yeah, he just makes things easier on everybody because he can blow by a guy. He can, you know, be a, a good target in the pick and roll. You know, he can also spot up around the perimeter. He hit a three. That was really nice to see. You know, we'll have to see if the uh, three-point percentage is going to come back up for him. But, you know, the, I think it was a positive start for him, all told. What did you think of like the Pascal of it all this weekend, both the lack of him on Friday and, you know, the sort of very clear need for a guy like that. And then how it all kind of transpired as he scored 15 points in his return on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, the lack of Pascal, that that's kind of been evident uh, pretty much every time the Raptors are <laughs> running a half court set. So yeah. 
yeah, I've kind of felt that throughout. But uh, this game, just to see him back, see where he's at. And I kind of go back to everything he's been saying before and after games and uh, just where he seems to be uh, in terms of a mental space is the yeah. healthiest part of it for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I think you you can see in that post-game presser, he's got no issues talking about whatever. Um throw a little jab back at my ganter. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's just having fun. Gumby had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's just uh, having fun with it. And mm-hmm. that's the Pascal everyone remembers. And yeah, if, if that's a sign of things to come, I think Pascal is going to be just fine. 15 points in 25 minutes. That's nothing to sneeze at. And, He's going to you just keep getting better from here. You throw in a couple of bunnies, you know, he's pretty much looking at a 20 point game in 25 minutes. Yeah, it looked like a little a couple moments of rust here and there, just kind of finding that touch again. Nothing to be terribly concerned about, I would say. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of going back to my point on Friday as well with the Cavs. I, my other sort of prevailing takeaway just regarding Siakam in that game was that. I was bummed that he wasn't a part of that night because it was such like a fun, you know, energetic crowd. Like the game just kind of felt, you know, it was like a full display of everything the Raptors are good at in a lot of ways. And then you factor in like OG Ananobi, who I thought on Friday was as good as he's been in that sort of number one role in terms of sort of a looking for his own shot and then B deferring to others when the defense sells out to stop him. I thought it was just like a masterful game from him in a lot of ways. Um, and it just felt like, man, Pascal should be part of this. And I'm really glad that it was not long at all. I, you know, it felt like it was going to be maybe two, three games until he got back in the lineup. Lovely to see him against the Nets on Sunday. And really, yeah, there's nothing negative to take away from the way he played. I am curious, though, about how the arrival of Siakam is going to affect the offensive hierarchy a little bit here. Because we saw in the game on Sunday, uh, you know, OG takes 16 shots, kind of just around where he's been. He's been a little bit higher than that. 18 shots a game is where he's been at. But we saw Scotty Barnes only take seven shots in this game, which Nick Nurse has been calling out for Scotty Barnes to take more shots when he's had like 17 or 19 field goal attempt games. Do you think that's just like a single game aberration? Obviously, Barnes was good in a lot of other ways, ripping the ball from Kevin Durant's hands like a baby. Uh, he was like all over the place. He had eight, seven. Uh, let me just see here. Yeah, sorry, F- 14 points. No, I'm looking at the wrong game. Uh, 8.7 boards, four assists, five steals in 31 minutes. But again, just the four of seven from the field. Do you think the arrival of Siakam is going to make it tricky to get Barnes all the touches they want to get him or do you think it was just like a one game weirdo one-off type thing and they'll find ways to stagger lineups and whatnot to ensure that all their guys are getting their touches well i mean i think it'd be impossible to get the exact same usage going forward just because you're gonna have to put the ball in pascal's hands uh, and he's mm-hmm. that good but i do think it will be you know in terms of uh, viewing a scale where it kind of hinders Scotty's development. No, I don't think it'll go that far. So uh, I I think there's plenty that will happen for Scotty. I think the foul trouble had something to do with his usage and just his overall aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, the Nets did a really good job keeping the Raptors off the offensive glass as well. Yeah. Uh, And when you look at this team, you know, coming into the game was averaging about 14 and a half offensive rebounds a game. Uh, and they're limited to eight, and Scotty only had the one. So uh, I think that had something to do with it as well. Uh, 
And then the Nets really cut down on their turnovers in the second half as well. Mm -hmm. They were pretty sloppy to start the game. And obviously, we know how big a part that is uh, of the Raptors game. So I think little things like that probably uh, impact uh, what the usage is going to look like going forward. Uh, Because when you look at Siakam's game, uh, I didn't think he really forced anything. You know, there were a couple of times where he tried to go one on one and you can see maybe, you know, the legs aren't quite there yet to blow by someone. You know, he can blow by someone as old as Millsap. Sure. Uh, (laughs) But I think, you know, other matchups, it it wasn't quite happening, but it wasn't like he just chucked up a shot. Right. He just kept Mm -hmm. the ball moving and uh, tried to screen and tried to uh, be be there as a facilitator. And uh, I think that's who Pascal Siakam is going to be going forward. Speaking of screening, uh, it was nice to see Pascal, good screener, Pascal Siakam, as it turns out, and also like surprisingly strong. He threw a couple like pretty sh- like hard Kem Birch looking screens at yesterday. That was just it stands out because Precious Achua still has yet to hit somebody when he tries to screen somebody. It's I got a running <laughs> counter for that all season long. Um, but I, the last kind of note on that is I agree. I don't think it's going to affect the usage of these guys in any sort of big you know in, you know enormous way regarding development. I do think it will sort of take down the level of sort of difficulty when they do get their shots. Like, I don't think Scotty Barnes is going to have to self-create all that much because he's got Ochi and Fred and Pascal around him. But I do think he'll get pockets within the game to flex his muscles a little bit because we saw Nick Nurse stagger pretty heavily, you know, pairing up. I think he paired up like the Siakam and Fred duo and then the OG and Scotty duo. I think we'll see that pretty regularly. There should be no real reason to have fewer than two of those four guys on the floor at all times. And I think when they're in those sort of duo sort of mishmash lineups, that's when they'll get their chances to kind of take the reins. And then, you know, we'll kind of see how it all sort of plays out down the stretch of games. But I think uh, there should be a pretty good harmonious balance between all of these long, limmy dudes who like to dribble and score. It's not a bad thing to have. Uh, We're going to continue on here, Vivek. I actually want to talk about the three-point shooting for the team because it was a real bugaboo for them against the Nets. Not so much against the Cavs. They didn't shoot a ton, but they shot well. But a lot of the guys on the team are shooting well below their career averages. And I kind of want to dig into whether or not that's early season aberration stuff or if there's something about the Raptors and the way they're playing that is causing them to not shoot so hot from downtown. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about prize picks have you heard about prize picks well you have because you've heard me talk about them on this podcast they are daily fantasy made easy i love it and i know you're gonna love it too prize picks has the best nba dfs prop game on the market prize picks offers more nba props than any other dfs prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns to points to rebounds, even interceptions thrown. All of your users, all of the users uh, that deposit and use a promo code that is uh, locked on. Sorry, it's just NBA. NBA is the promo code. You will receive a 100, 100% instant deposit match up to $100. It's Monday morning. I can't talk. Either way, 100% match of your $100 deposit, meaning you get 200 bucks to play with off the top. That is a wonderful, wonderful deal from Prize Picks. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, projections, and you can win up to 10 times any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. There's no experts behind, sort of hiding behind some sort of dark internet secrecy. You are just playing against the projections. That is how it works. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You could take the over on LeBron, combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry if you'd like, and you can use the 
award-winning app on both the App Store and on Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks and use the code NBA to get your apps to go to your app store or go to your app store and download the app today. Boy, I can't talk. Prize Picks, however, can talk and they talk daily fantasy in a way that is made easy. So go ahead and give them a shot. Alrighty, let's continue on here, Big V. Uh, actually, we will not continue on here, Big V. We're going to talk about DirecTV Stream first. Uh, DirecTV Stream is the way to get your TV together. You know the problem. On Sunday night, you want to watch basketball. You want to watch the Great Canadian Baking Show. You want to watch Succession. You want to watch Only Murders in the Building. Did I just describe what I did on my Sunday? Yes, I did. But guess what? You don't have to do what I did where I had all these different disparate apps and remotes. You should get smart, unlike me, and get DirecTV Stream because they're going to get your TV together. They bring your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And this is only available to our American listeners. Uh, but DirecTV, come and uh, dip your toes up in the Canadian waters because I want to get a piece of this DirecTV Stream. All right, we continue on here, Vivek. Uh, thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. And let's talk about three-point shooting, shall we? The Toronto Raptors are not shooting it terribly well from downtown. 33.2% of the season, good for 21st in the NBA. And a lot of the guys on the team individually are shooting below their career standards. Fred Van Vliet's at 37% on 7.4 attempts. Not terrible, but still a little bit of a whisper below where he typically has been around that 40% mark. OG Ananobi at 36%, few percentage points down. Gary Tran Jr., 33.8% on 6.2 attempts. Uh, Goran Dragic at 22%, obviously not playing. Precious Achua, 21%. Chris Boucher, 19.4% after... Last season's pretty promising like flashes of being able to shoot down the stretch of the season it hasn't translated over this year. Uh, you've got as well, uh, Malachi Flynn hasn't taken many threes. He's, uh, I believe, one of five so far on the season or two. Math, 66.7%. Uh, He's two of three. There we go. Math, baby. Uh, the really the only guy shooting above what you would expect or around what you'd expect is Fima Hailuk at 41.2%. Delano Banton, uh, low volume, 37 and a half. So let me ask you, Vivek, are, are you alarmed by any of these three-point shooting numbers, either the team-wide or any individual players? And is there something about the way the Raptors are playing potentially to incite this not-so-good three-point shooting to begin the season? Or is it early season, 11-game small sample stuff that you don't, don't have too much worry about? I think the only one I'd say is alarming is Chris Boucher. I think mm -hmm. that's really got to pick up. Uh, and you'd like to think it will. I mean, I'd be shocked if he finished at, you know, a sub 20% for the season. Uh, yeah. That would be horrendous. But uh, I think, you know, when you when I look at OG Ananobi, you expect a bit of a drop off because he's taking tougher threes. He's taking them off, off the dribble. He's, you know, so you expect that a little bit. Um, he's also taking like eight a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think... He's close enough to where, you know, 36, you know, maybe that hikes up to 37. That's fine. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. uh, too worried about that. And guess what? He's going to take some easier threes now with Pascal around. 
Uh, And that applies to Fred and that applies to Gary Trent Jr. I think Gary Trent Jr. might be the biggest uh, benefactor out of it. But I think even the last couple of games, we've seen Fred take some relocation threes. You know, they're basically just less threes off the dribble. And I think that's going to help him. Um, As far as uh, a weakness, I think you have to look at the half-court offense. How could you not? I mean, then that's something that's going to be an issue for them all season. And, you know, you can kind of... Uh, you know, one of the trademark plays of the half court has kind of been the shot clock winding down and Fred having to heave from 30 <laughs> feet, right? Uh, we yep. can all see that. So uh, I think that's something that they've got to get away from a little bit, but hopefully Siakam come, coming back, you know, loosens the offense a little bit and makes things run a bit smoother and opens up some shots. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm not too worried uh, about the three-point shooting going forward, uh, just relatively speaking, because guess guess what? You're putting Pascal Siakam into the rotation. That's mm-hmm. less minutes for uh, Precious Achua, who isn't spacing the floor. Uh, <laughs> that's less minutes for Chris Boucher, who right now is absolutely not spacing the floor. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think you know the team should improve going forward. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And I do think there's probably something to the sort of burden that's being placed on the shooters that Raptors have when they are on the floor. Like, they're going to be seeing more attention, right? Because usually there's only like three good shooters on the floor. They've been playing that spread lineup a little bit where it's been uh, Fred. This was before Pascal got back, obviously. And I think it was when Scotty was hurt. But Fred, Svi, Trent, OG and Birch like that's a pretty easy thing to just like run spread pick and roll with and you got four shooters out there and that's great but when you only have three shooters in OG Trent and Van Vliet and then Pascal's kind of a TBD right now because we're not really sure where he's going to settle back to after last season like that pr- creates that much more duress for Trent Fred and OG when they are putting those threes up not to mention that like a lot of them are pull-ups in the case of OG and Fred but it's just like there's more attention. There's less help coming off of them just because why would you help off of those two guys, those three guys, when the non-shooters are outspacing and not offering space and you're not going you to really worry about them, right? And so I wonder if sort of the effect of those guys all being like career 40%-ish dead-eye shooters, I wonder if the effect of just not having extra guys out there to kind of take the burden off of them makes their looks that much more difficult. That's kind of one theory I, I would posit here. And obviously, Pascal coming back is going to help things. Even if Pascal doesn't shoot 36% from three, he just gets into the teeth of the defense a lot better. He demands more help. Defense flies his way, and that's going to open things up, especially considering he's a very, very good passer, maybe the best on the team. It's either him or Fred, I would say. So there's that. And then I guess the other sort of thing I'm curious about is we know how hard they play on defense, right, and how they fly around and they are constantly expending max energy in a lot of ways to make it so their offense is easier on themselves because they force turnovers and force misses that they run off of. But when they have all that energy go into defensive possessions that ends up in a bucket for the other team, they're having to run the half court offense. Do you think there is anything to the idea that they're expending too much energy on defense and not having enough to run reliable offense and have the legs in them when they put up those threes. I'm not saying this is what I believe. It's just a little theory I'm cooking up. I'm curious what you think. I, I Frankly, I would throw the offense in there as well because yeah. I think the, the mental strain of 
every time you're in a half court set, you're going to 20, 24 seconds, uh, just trying to create some way through. Mm-hmm. That's exhausting too. Mm-hmm. And so when you're having to work that hard, yeah, it can take a bit of a toll. I think uh, on, a, on a back-to-back, on the regular, uh, you're going to see teams sort of break down. But I think mm-hmm. the Raptors are more susceptible to that because of their playing style. Right. Uh, and so you might see more back-to-backs, and, and we saw it last season. We, we didn't see it before that. Um, but the Raptors haven't been this aggressive before either. Yeah. Uh, and so I think especially, you know, with that theory on, on a back-to-back, you, you would definitely see that play in. Um, and, yeah, I, I do think the one saving grace for the Raptors is the way the game is being called this season. Yeah, I think the Raptors would have a completely inadequate offense uh, if it was still being played the way it was last season. Sure. And I think that kind of factored into our expectations uh, coming into this year. And now you see the way the game is being called. You see, you know, what an average offense is in terms of points per possessions. You know, it's down by almost what five points. Uh, and, And that helps the Raptors. So, you know, if you don't have to generate as much offense and, and you have a defense uh, that can keep you in games, it, it gives you a better chance of survival. And I think that's mm-hmm. been, you know, one of the underrated factors uh, that, that benefit the Raptors. Yeah, it's definitely worth noting that as much as we talk about the Raptors offense as this laborious, hard to sort of create machine that's all creaky and needs oil. Uh, they're 13th in offense right now at 107.9 points per 100 possessions. Not terrible. Obviously, you know, I guess you could look at it two ways. One, maybe they see some regression there in terms of just like they fall back to where we expected them to be on true talent. Or also they are 13th with having Pascal in the lineup for one game and most of their guys are shooting below their career averages on threes. Maybe that suggests good things are in the future for the Raptors offense. It's just, again, it's just a working theory that the aggressiveness and the energy expended makes it mm-hmm. difficult to shoot threes. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it because, hey, this could very well snap back. But maybe it doesn't. And it's a thing we're talking about all season long. You can just say that you heard it here first on Locked on Raptors if ever you want to bring up this conversation later on in the year. Uh, <laughs> One quick thing I yeah. want to throw in there. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I know as an overall offense, the Raptors are doing okay, uh, yeah. but they are still 25th uh, per cleaning the glass in half-court offense. Yeah, right? and that adjusts for garbage time and stuff too, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's definitely you know, uh, an issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're really fun in transition. They should do more of the thing where uh, Delano Banton dumps it off to Pascal Siakam on the run and uh, they dunk it. That would be cool. Uh, <laughs> but we will continue on. Maybe Delano Banton will come up in the next segment as we have two dudes of the game to hand out after mm. two games over the weekend. It's the segment everybody's talking about. Everybody loves the dude of the game and we got two of them to hand out and that we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars you can find. And it's Thanksgiving season, which means it's Built Bar season, baby. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and the treats. All of them are so wonderful. But sometimes after eating all of the uh, heavy stuff, the the savory uh, meal portions, 
I don't really feel like a full-on dessert. Sometimes you got to have it, but more often than not, I'm like, you know what? I could have something else and be totally satiated, but for my sweet tooth. And guess what? Built Bar is here, and it is the new perfect holiday dessert. For just that situation you might find yourself in, you can feast on something delicious and feel good about it after not feeling so good about all the stuff you ate earlier in the day. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most built Bars, however, only 130 calories with just 4 grams of sugar and plenty of protein. So you can replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut built Bar, raspberry built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Basically, if there's a pie, there's a built Bar corollary that you can have. It's low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high-protein covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is great for whenever you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, you can go for a built Bar or two now. It doesn't matter. Share some of your family gatherings. Just bring a bucket and toss them out to your aunts and uncles and grandparents and see if they like them as well. They just might uh, have a new favorite dessert. Maybe it's built Bars for, for post-Thanksgiving dessert for the rest of time. Who's to say? Also, new surprises are available all month long as the seasonal flavors start kicking up into high gear over at Built.com, so be sure you're checking the site regularly. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday as well. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All righty, Big V. It is time for uh, Two Dudes of the Game. Uh, again, the segment that the whole world is clamoring for. Uh, we should uh, just refresh, I suppose, what the Dude of the Game is. Oftentimes, we'll record a podcast, and through the first couple segments, we end up not talking about a guy who was essential to the game that was just played that we're talking about. And so we have the Dude of the Game, a segment that is created to talk about this guy who deserves some love. Uh, we have two to give away today from the Friday and Saturday games. I have Sunday games. I have picked the Friday due to the game. I've deferred it to Vivek to pick Sundays due to the game. I guess we can start with Friday for because chronology makes sense in the brain. My due to the game, Vivek, for Friday is Malachi Flynn, baby. He did not play a ton, but when he was on the floor, I thought he was really effective. He played seven minutes. He had five points. He had three steals and an assist hit one three and his big play came down the stretch where he snuck in after Scotty Barnes was kind of dealing with the trees that are Evan Mobley and Jared Allen missed a couple shots. Uh, Jared Allen got the defensive board off of one of the Barnes misses. Malachi Flynn just sneaks in, smacks the ball away right into the hands of Scotty. Scotty goes up for the dunk. The whole arena goes crazy. And I was surprised that Malachi Flynn didn't play at all in the Sunday game after putting in such a solid performance on Friday. And, you know, Nick Nurse even said that he liked the way he played. I was in the press conference where he talked about it. He talked about how, hey, he can kind of get us a shot when we need it and that type of thing. Was surprised we didn't see him on Sunday. But uh, what were your thoughts on your dude of the game, Malachi Flynn from Friday against the Cavs Big V? Yeah, I love the way he played, especially, you know, to close out that first half. Uh, I thought he had a really good stretch where he had the floater, the three, um, and I forget the assist. I think he had the hit ahead to Scotty, um, yep. and you know he was kind of mixed up in there in terms of forcing the turnover and then getting it out to Scotty, and then that leads to a dunk. Uh, but yeah, I think you know at some point, uh, especially once the nine oh five season gets going, uh, mm -hmm. they're gonna have to figure out. Uh, is he going to get playing time uh, with the Raptors or does he need to go down and just get playing time that way? And mm -hmm. if it's not him, uh, then it's Delano. It, it's going to be tough to keep Delano out right now, but I could see 
uh, things sort of becoming a 50 50 between them. And they both kind of take turns going back and forth. And Patrick, it has Patrick Mutombo has at least one of them to work with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had it my way right now and look, my feelings on the rotation change uh, with the wind, but uh, because there's a lot of dudes on this team who like managed to show out in various moments, but Honestly, right now, with the way Banton's playing and the way Flynn has played the last few times he's gotten in there and the way Chris Boucher in particular is playing or not playing, however you want to size up what he's been doing, I don't hate the idea of just kind of excising Boucher from the rotation and having Banton kind of be like a point forward type in those reserve units and just having Malachi Flynn be your backup point guard. You know, as much as Banton has been really impressive, I like him a lot. I feel like maybe his skill set's a little bit better used right now because he's not much of a spacer as sort of like a cutting four who can also handle the ball a little bit. Kind of like early stage Pascal Siakam in a lot of ways, like that year, his second season with the bench mob. I could kind of see that being a bit of a role there for Banton. And then you get Flynn and Banton both in. And I think they're both in like my top nine in terms of guys I trust right now on the roster. And so... I would like to see that. I don't know if we will see that. Boucher obviously has like some equity with the franchise built up. I feel like he's going to get some rope here. He also is six foot nine, therefore Chris uh, he stands a chance of being in the rotation because that's what the Raptors like. But I, they I might do, be looking to build up that trade equity too. That's also very true because uh, it's becoming pretty clear to me that he is not necessarily part of the long term plans here. Um, but, you know, we'll keep an eye on that one for sure. But, yeah, move Benton down, slide him up, take some of those minutes from the front court on the bench. Maybe it's some precious Achua minutes as well. And then get Flynn in there as your backup point guard because I like the way he's kind of pushed the pace. He's kind of a different dynamic to the second unit. He brings similar sort of elements that Banton does. Like, Banton's in there because Nick Nurse likes how he pushes the pace. Flynn's done that as well. And why not have both on the floor, I say. Um, but we shall see what happens there. Let's go to the dude of the game, number two from the game against the Brooklyn Nets. Who you got as your dude of the game, Vivek? It's the dude we've been talking about, Delano Banton, the birthday boy. Woo! I predicted it. I wrote the graphic before, assuming you'd pick him. I was right. I feel great. Uh, go into why Delano Benton was your due to the game against the Nets. Uh, I mean, I, I thought he just came in and did what he's been doing all season. And, you know, there was that stretch where the Raptors were just looking for some energy. I mean, especially uh, later on in the game, third quarter kind of fell flat and he comes in and all of a sudden, you know, the Raptors are able to, I believe cut it back down into single digits at least. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I thought he was a, a part of that. And, uh, you know, even when he came in early, he, get, he gets involved right away. And I think actually the first half is probably a better reflection of what you've been talking about, where mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't handling it as much. Yeah. Um, and but was, you know, was mixing it up on, on the glass and uh, really just trying to provide a spark. And, you know, if he's the, that secondary ball handler where it's like, Hey, if you get the rebound, just get out and go. Um, mm-hmm. If not, we've got sort of a traditional point guard in there. Um, and, you know, you, you can sort of work off that. So I think that first half is probably a better reflection of uh, what you've been talking about. And then, uh, you know, we see later on what, what he's been doing all season. And, mm-hmm. yeah, happy happy birthday to Delano. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Out, yeah. Shout out to 45 uh, doing their thing with wishing him as well. That was pretty neat, and yeah, it's it's fun to watch him, man. He's really fun to watch, and uh, you know, I think 
again, similar to Scotty, that middle area of the floor, the way they operate in there kind of takes your breath away. Yeah, the sort of like dexterity at that height in close quarters is crazy. The floater game is really impressive so far. I'm stunned by how good Delano Banton's looked based on like the college footage you saw of him where he's kind of this like plodding slow dude like just completely has kicked it into high gear on the sort of recommendation of the coaching staff and he was just like okay I'll go faster then you say go faster I will and it's worked out really wonderfully um, I think it's going to be really difficult to send him to the 905 at any point this season considering how well he's played, how much Nick Nurse seems to love him, and how much he kind of checks all the boxes that the Raptors are looking for with the guys who are going to play for them, you know, what with the being six foot nine and being good at defense and having the ball handling chops and all that. So uh, you're now leader in due to the game award wins is Delano Banton with two on the season. So congrats to Delano for that. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see more of it. He's an absolute delight to watch and a happy belated birthday to him as well. That's going to do it for today's episode of the show. Big V, thank you so much for being here. As always, it's uh, wonderful to chat with you after a big, fun weekend of games. Losses be damned. It's about the the, the friends we made along the way, I guess. Uh, but either way, uh, anything that you would like to promote before we get out of here? No, just the usual stuff. You can find my work on Raptors.com, CBC Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Excellent. Uh, you can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, writing some blogs over at RaptorsHQ.com. Uh, Basketball is my other podcast with Katie Heindel. We have a Patreon page if you want to go support that. It's a fun, weird, uh, sort of different take on the NBA. And uh, that will do it. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll be joined by John Corrales, one of my faves on the Locked On Network from Locked On Celtics. We will look ahead to the Raptors-Celtics game on Wednesday. And then uh, I know Katie Heindel is going to pop by twice this week, uh, figuring out the days for that, but she'll be here twice. That'll be exciting as well. And uh, there's two games coming up Wednesday, Thursday in Boston and Philly. A couple of big tests for the Raptors before they uh, gear up to go on the road. I think they have one home game left in the next 10 games or something like that. And uh, they've got a long, long road trip coming up. And we'll check in with some of our fun Western Conference pals as they head out west. I'm sure Mike Richmond from Lockdown Blazers will be on at some point because we love Mike Richmond over here. Either way, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Fantasy Basketball as Josh Lloyd has given you all the intel you need to win your fantasy basketball leagues. So go check it over, over there as you get DFS and season-long in, insight and input from one of the best in the business in fantasy basketball. And uh, we will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.